0: Good day, good evening, welcome to you wherever you are and welcome back to yet another episode of Range Anxiety. 30 years of automotive experience in 30 minutes it's coming to you every week. And I'm your host, Martin Donnan, telling you how it was and how it is. Now, I always do the feedback first and we will start with the feedback now for the last week. We did Tuna Wars 2 was a good episode, people liked it, worked well. Um, I had some interesting feedback. Some people said, Martin, you're only actually good to listen to when you're bouncing off other people. Someone else told me, his name was Mark, you've gotta stop jumping around so much. But the reason I jump around so much in terms of the timeline is I tell it how I remember it. Which brings me to why we're not doing Tuna Wars 3 this week there is a tune or three, it'll be coming, it'll be good. But I saw something come up in my Facebook feed, something I did many, many years ago for a magazine called Motor. You Australians would know what motor is. For you Americans, it's very, very similar to Car and Driver. It's a a big time mag. And strangely enough, I don't know why, but these companies used to entrust me to write Articles for them, technical articles, drive articles. You know, I was considered a semi journalist. My background was never in journalism. I, I could read and write well and I can speak at an average level, but I was considered the go to guy for some of these magazines when they wanted the nuts and bolts out of something. So I was really, really, really thrilled when a guy I know by the name of Jesse Taylor, who was the editor of Motor at the time, I used to work with him at Hot Fours magazine, where We used to feature cars with fish tanks in the boot, um, or the trunk, uh, as my American listeners will call it. He rang me one day and he goes, Martin, I've got a job for you and it's just not pulling the nuts and bolts out of a car. I want you to go and drive and do a job for us. And I thought, this is great. What is it, Jesse? He goes, well, uh, there's an internet forum. And didn't all good things come from internet forums, really? Um, He... uh, come across on ferrarichat.com.au, which was mainly Ferrari owners, but a lot of exotic car owners sort of congregated in that area at the time, that there was this thing going on in the Northern Territory of Australia. Now, for those of you that aren't Australians, in the Northern Territory, at that point in time, we had no speed limits. In other words, in this massive state, which is the size of, oh, I don't know, it's big. It's big as about a quarter of the USA, there's one state, it's actually not a state, it's a territory. So its governance is a little bit different. However, there were no speed limits. So there's a big sign with our 110 or which is equivalent to 65 mile an hour or whatever, a big strike for it. You could just do whatever you wanted, provided you were sensible. So he goes, look, Jesse said, there's all these guys getting together, Martin, and, and we'd like you to go up there and Take, and this is probably the real reason I got sent up there, is one of the best motoring photographers in South Australia, a guy by the name of Guy Bowden. Guy's very artistic, had a good eye for for what worked and what didn't with a photograph. And this was kind of back in the days when Photoshop didn't exist and everything was being done on film. So, you know, you're either an artist or you didn't get a job. Now you can just touch your crap photos up and try and make them look good. Not back then. Guy was an artist and he came from a long line of artistic uh, people in his family and strangely enough, in one way or another, our parents kind of knew each other as well. So anyway, Guy was the go-to photographer. Everyone else, obviously, from the ACP offices, which was Packer's business back then in Sydney, were all going out to Porsche Drive days with long lunches or getting flown overseas. So... I was the little guy that had to go up to the Northern Territory and check this meet out and be a part of it. So there were Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Porsches, an NSX, and uh, I got a new Monaro to drive. Now, to most journalists, that'd be a slap in the face. However, I was big in the LS1 thing back then, and I thought, you know what, that CV8 coupe, a bloody good thing punched well above its weight I would actually enjoy taking it up there and mixing it with the supercars so off I went I had to ring Holden's press department uh, sign up with them and go pick the car up from the Elizabeth um, GMH factory which is long since gone unfortunately and photographer Bowden and I jumped in the car the very next day and proceeded to drive the thing from Adelaide to Alice Springs. Now that's that's a good, like, I don't know, 10 hours or eight hours or something in itself. We made a little stop off on the way. Uh, you can look it up on Google if you'd like, a place called Glen Dambo. And Glen Dambo doesn't have too many people in it, doesn't have too many facilities, had a little roadhouse with a few rooms. And it, I think there was a sign back in those days on on uh, on the entrance into it that said welcome to Glen Dambo, there's like 100 people and 55 million flies and yeah we got out of the car in the late afternoon 5 or 6 p.m and we were covered in flies you could hardly talk without eating them Luckily, i was pretty fat back then so i could eat a lot of flies (laughs) guy probably didn't like it so much um and yeah, it was, it was it was just crazy. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We stayed in these rooms that were at best described as average. I'm not going to talk Glen Dambo down. It's obviously an iconic place for some of you people that like eating flies. Not so much myself or Guy. And the next day, we headed off towards Alice Springs. And so we were driving along. We were doing the speed limit. The Monaro, you know, was doing good. It had seventeen thousand k's or something on the clock. It was the end of its press cycle. It had been in Performance Car of the Year and Bang for Your Barks and all that stuff. Every journal in Australia had quite literally flogged the ring out of this thing. I reckon it had about two mil left on the tyres. There was there was nothing left of this thing. It was it was like a, a hundred and fifty thousand k Monaro would be. But you know what? It was that beautiful bright sky blue color. It was an iconic car at the time. And, you know, I liked LS1s. I might have um, plugged into it with my laptop. Sorry, Holden Press Department, even though you don't don't exist anymore. And given it a tune before we went. Maybe a bit more timing, a bit more this, a bit more that, less torque limiting, less speed or rev limiting. So, we got out of Glendamber and we drove and we drove and we drove and we went up right all the way and we, we cut in to the Northern Territory and then we saw the sign. And the sign was the 110 kilometers an hour with the big cross through it. And so I said, oh, I'm gonna go for it. And the guy's going, don't be stupid. You're a wanker, Martin. And I said, well, okay. So we, we cruised at about 160 or 180 and then we took the right turn and uh, I think it was to the right of the Sturt Highway or whatever it was. Remember, I don't get my facts right all of the time, but this is how I remember it. And headed towards Alice Springs. And we got to the meeting point. And here we are in this dirty Monaro, bald tires, full of camera gear, smelly dudes in it, particularly me. So I was quite fat and there were transporters turning up. And out of them were F360 Stradale's. There were uh, Gardos, Murthy Largos, Boxsters. Yeah, and Boxsters were actually cool back then. Les, my mate with the NSX, I I reckon he actually drove it there, he was pretty cool. He's still got it today. Good on you Les, Les Dombey, great guy, great solar. There's your plug, don't ask me again. Um, And they all shook hands, I'd never actually, these guys had never met each other before and we got invited into the beautiful house of the guy that organized all this. His name was Neville King, I believe. Uh, He's no longer with us. I'm not going to go into that. That's not part of this story. But however, he had a Murthy with the number plates. I reckon they were 330 KPH. And we all kind of scoffed and laughed and yeah, whatever else. Yeah, whatever. But he had us in his house. We had a nice dinner and... We all went back to our hotel, rooms, our hotel rooms in Alice Springs and we headed off early the next morning. Now, the first thing that struck me is that when we went to the survey to fill up because it was like, I don't know, it was like 110 kilometres down to the freeway from Alice Springs and then it was another 100 on to the rock, something like that. I mean, all you campers and caravan people will know exactly what it was, but it was a fair hike. So everyone filled up. So we all lined up at the Shell Servo in Alice Springs. It was close to Neville's house. And uh, I put, you know, a full tank of unleaded in, in the old Glen Dambo Lambo, as she got named. And uh, the Monaro and filled it up. And all these guys filled up as well. And we all took turns because there weren't many premium pumps back then. But they were all had their engine hatches up, you know, mid-engine supercars, putting oil in them. Now I dipped the stick on the Monaro and yeah, it was cool, whatever. Put it back in. LS ones only use oil if you baby them. Take it from me, been around them a long time. I was fresh out of like drag racing them at the time. Uh, this thing was full of oil. It was dirty, holding press car oil, but it was full. And these guys have got their shell helix and they're pumping little bottles in and stuff. And I'm thinking, what are they doing? So anyway, we had all filled up. And Neville led the way from Alice Springs down towards a rock. And I think it was something, I don't know. Like I said, it was 110 kilometres or whatever. It was it was an hour's drive for normal people. Um, some of the guys with their supercars were a little bit slow to get on it. And he just hit the throttle. He was gone. He was 300. Bang. Straight out of the city limits. Bang. 300. He was gone. So... I, I, figuring, I, you know, I, I think I was a bit of a racer. I was just gone as well. So this Holden, it would, it was a six speed manual. Six speed people that listen to my uh, YouTube channel, it would, being dead stand with a little bit of a tune, it would peak out speed in fifth gear, and when you put it into sixth, it would slow down with the air resistance, and everything else, and and the fact that sixth gear was 0.5 to one. Gear ratio, an ugly gear ratio, great for cruising, but you'd be doing 257, 258. I think we saw a 260 when the wind was right in fifth at 6,200 or whatever and drop it into six, boom, into the 240s, but at 3,500 or 4,000. You know, it was simply so torn, moonshot of gear, it just could not pull it. And so, you know, we were all kind of. Holding sway. I'd, I'd gone off after the Lambo, which turned out to be uh, Neville's Murthy-Lago. When, he, when the number plate said 330 kph, I'm pretty sure that's what he was doing. Because so I went hard at that point. Photographer Bowden was saying, calm down, you're an egomaniac, you're an idiot, you're going to kill us. And I'm saying, shut up, guy, I'm going for this. And had the thing in fifth gear at about 6,000, the whole way, at 250 odd, occasionally a Ferrari or a Lambo might come past me, That then they'd be a bit coy coming up behind traffic and I'd swing out past them again. The boxers were at the back of the pack, like, you know, that was, don't bring a hairdresser's car to a supercar meet. They thought they had to have the measure of the Holden, but sadly not. Um, so I was one of the first people to rock up at the main highway junction out of Alice Springs, like some... 30 minutes later uh, for the 110 kilometers or whatever it was. And there was Neville. He had a passenger and his passenger had a full bladder and he had a chance to get out and evacuate that and also have a cigarette before I got there. (laughs) That's how fast this thing was. I was totally blown away. Lamborghini owners aren't the same these days. Back in those, they can't even pronounce a name these days, but back in those days, you know, this Neville guy, he was the king, hence the name Neville King. Um, And he had to leave us there because he had some business back to do in Alice Springs. Uh, So he turned around and went back and we headed on out to the rock. So I was quite full of myself at this point because I thought we're going fast and doing everything else, you know, we're, we're, we're onto it. So uh, I took a bit of the lead with Guy. and You know, the, the 360 Stradale passed us at speed. We're doing 250. He could do 270 or already. He passed us. And then he kind of slowed down a bit. So I thought, F you. I'm going to have a run on you. I'm going to teach you a little bit about racing on the road. Not that I would ever know anything about that. Never done it. Never would. However, when he slowed down and we were on the phones and I said, hey, want to race? He goes, absolutely. He would have been... 600 meters in front of me so I just went at him flat out and I said when I pass you hit the throttle so when I passed him I was going about 100 k's an hour faster than him which is brilliant so I've just charged off and just roll raced these people into oblivion and the Monaro's out in front and I forget what the name of the joint was there's some um uh gas station service station out in the middle there with a dirt fork court that does trucks and everything else.
1: And we're heading up,
0: was it Curtain Springs? Oh, I don't know what it's called. We were heading up that way and guys gone, shit, out of the passenger seat. I've gone, what? And I've looked across to my left. See, my American uh, listeners, we drive on the wrong side of the road compared to you. And there is a herd of wild cattle crossing the road they probably would have been doing sixty kilometres an hour. I'm doing two hundred and sixty kilometres an hour, and the impact is on. However, somehow they split and went around us. I'm on the brakes, tail lights on, nearly causing a Constantina behind me. It, even if I was that far ahead, it probably wouldn't have happened. But they just wouldn't have expected to stop. There's cattle and Manaro and stuff going everywhere, and we just emerged through the dust the other side unskate, unbelievable, and just incredible. Now, one of the things I did learn is that when you're traveling at super high speed in a convoy of cars, and I'm talking uh, 250 kilometers an hour plus, you don't want to be too close to anyone. Because obviously they gonna shower you with grit, but you don't want to be too far away either. If you get more than about... Mm, 800 metres back or three-quarter track, you know, oh, sorry, a double track drag strip back of someone at that speed, they will, and if they're in a supercar that has some semblance of ground effects, they will actually shower you with fish-sized rocks and rubble that they pick up off the road because their underbody picks them up, sprays it into the air, 50, 60 feet, 30 metres, whatever, in the air, and then your closing speed is that great. By the time that thing hits the road and bounces down, it's in your windscreen. And so we peppered this poor Monaro till I kind of learned you either got in front or you got behind. So anyway, back to other things. When we stopped for fuel again, after we, uh, uh, the middle, before we went to the rock, again, we were the only people that could dip the stick, no oil needed. And this dirty old piston-slapping oil using LS1 was keeping up with all of them, beating most of them. Didn't need a drop of oil. Again, the bottles of Shell Helix came out and were filling up the Ferraris and the Lambos. And I'm just looking at them going, what are you doing? These cars cars are new. They're they're newer than this flogged out piece of junk I'm driving and it didn't need anything. And the Glen Dambo Lambo, you know, the Monaro just sat there and chugged away and idled and all good. So eventually after our big scare with the cattle, we rolled into uh, the rock and Uluru. And they were saying, oh, you don't want to park all these exotic cars out here tonight. There are tourists, there are backpackers, whatever. Locals, they could get keyed or whatever. And the local CFS or the fire guys were there. They opened their compound for us and they stored all our cars overnight. And again, this wasn't in the motor story. And they actually locked up all of our cars and opened up for us the next morning. And away we went. So away we went back to, you know, some of us had a look at the rock, climb of the rock. Photographer Bowden, total pain in the ass, just made us pose for hours and line up cars. But you know what? At the time, I just thought you were totally a, a wanker guy. But now looking back on it, These are the best memories I've ever had and your photos actually put it into real life. Thank you very much, Guy. Um, We drove back and I think next day Neville was free and he took us out of the Cannonball Monument. Now, for those of you that don't know, we did have a proper cannonball in in Australia where people just went mental on the roads and there were a couple of Japanese dentists, I believe, um, in an F40. Again, my facts might be wrong. It was some exclusive Ferrari. And they kind of lost it at a control point and they wiped out a couple of the officials and wiped themselves out and they died. And the car was totaled out in the middle of nowhere in the Northern Territory. And, you know, there was a monument built to that. Very sad stuff. So, however, we went out to saw the monument and all the supercars lined up for a monument. The Glendambo Lambo, the Monaro was out there. And um, I said, you know, there was no one on this road. This road was non-speed limited. There was no one as far as the eye could see. So I said to uh, some of the guys, because they had a, you know, an inkling respect for the Holden product right about then. They would never buy one because they just don't fit in on a drive. However, they knew the thing was pretty fast, pretty cool, and it, it, it didn't blow up. And I said, how about we have a bit of a drag race? So the guy that had the stradali goes, all right, I'll line you up. So he's he's got out of me about 300 metres off the line, you know, back from the monument. And I've had someone flag us off. And, you know, i had done a bit of drag racing at this stage and he was relying on his Ferrari E gear or whatever, F1 shift or whatever, that terrible crap they had in the Moz. And it was slow and boggy off the line. And the Menara's just gone. I had this thing sidestepped at 5,000, lit it, punched second, kept it, and just went. You know, there was there was actually canvas hanging out the tyres by the time I got it back to Adelaide, but that's a story for another time. But I actually blitzed this guy past the monument where the Japanese dentist died in the Ferrari, and I said, who's next? Who wants another go? And everyone's looking at their shoes. Like, oh, not me, not me, not me. Pretty funny stuff, actually. There was, and I think it was good to show people that driven right, Versus driven wrong, the Holden product was such a good product in its day. And it, it's something, you know, it was good enough to export to the, the US as a GDO. For my US listeners, that VZ Monaro was the first of your Pontiac GDOs. It was an upright tank car. It was, you know, it was, it was a pretty damn cool thing. And we beat the socks off it after everyone, every other journal, like I said, had beaten the socks off in Australia. And it just still kept going and going and going. So now, times have changed. They have rescinded that speed limit. There is no more. There is, you know, 110. We passed a police officer who was cruising along at a mere 200 kilometres an hour, which is 125 mile per hour for my US listeners, We pulled out and passed this police officer at about 150 mile an hour. And every bone in my body was saying, Martin, do not do it. Do not do it. Do not do it. You're going straight to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect any dollars. In fact, give them all your dollars. And we just pulled out and passed him. He didn't turn on the lights. He didn't bat an eyelid, obviously. Well, I don't care if he did or he didn't. We were getting showered by rocks by Ferraris, like a mile up, or you know, two K's up the road. And that is an experience that I don't think living in this nanny state of Australia right now, you're not even allowed to go to work in some states, I don't think that's something we will ever see again. So I am, you know, honoured to have got. Um, the dregs job, the dog's body job of having and gone to do that with, with Guy Bowden. Guy wanted to kill me a couple of times on the trip. There were a couple of times we went through a couple of, uh, gorges around about the old or whatever. And I slid his camera gear sideways. We, we were always, uh, uh you know, a hundred kilos up with camera gear in the carbs. So he had everything, you know, and tons of film and old school wanker guy was actually, that's all it was back then. Um. And he wanted to kill me at some stage, but that was the very same weekend when we were doing this, because it went across like a Thursday to a Sunday. It was the very same weekend that we actually ran our first 10 second pass in a stock engine LS1 back in Adelaide. And you might get sick of hearing about him because he's actually not that interesting, but he did it back then. Um, my coworker, Gareth Norton went and I reckon he did a 10.9 at 128.7 or 127.8. And he rang me while I'm sliding guys camera gear around in the back of this Manara and I'm going, yes, yes. And guys going, you egotistical wanker, stop doing this, I'm gonna kill you. I said, but guy, we just ran a 10. And it was, they were just such good times full of good memories and good people. But you know what? Those times don't have to change. And there are a lot of good times now full of good people with good cars. I haven't even cleaned off half of this um, Cannonball Exotics in the Outback thing. But you know what? I don't care. We'll close it off here anyway because I need to get back to Tuna Wars 3 because there are so many interesting people I haven't mentioned yet. And I keep getting reminded about it by email text and phone calls and cam from solid thank you for uh, ringing me the other day after some free advice but you did say thank you for telling it how it is well i only tell it how i remember it and then you know some facts have got foggy but you know what it is how it is and it was what it was and if you like it stay tuned because there is a ton more to come thanks for listening to range anxiety